Have you forgotten that I'm the best in the world at what I do? Huh? What up, people? Long time no here, right? <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh Podcast. Featuring the one and only Donnie Ooh. Best in the world of what he does. I had to take a little break. Uh, vacation, if you will. From podcasting. Various things happened. In the last. Damn. How long has it been? A month? Well. I could start off like this. First things first. I recorded a podcast. I want to say about three weeks ago. Did all my segments. Add little sound effects. You know. Spiff it up. And then I went to upload it, and made a mistake and deleted it. Yeah. So then I was like, you know what, alright. Get back on the grind. Let me try it next week. Next week came. Was in a kind of crabby mood. And uh, all the subjects that I planned on talking about were very emotional to me. And I went to press record. And when I went to re-listen. And a lot of times I don't re-listen when I record it. I just record. Upload. And let the chips fall where they may. But this one. Was a. Was a little bit harsh. So. Once again I pressed that delete button. Then I'm looking at the calendar. And I'm like damn. It's been about 3-4 weeks. Motherfuckers probably forgot about the podcast. Or people probably thought that um, maybe I just said, you know what, I'm not fucking with the podcast no more. And actually that wasn't the case. So like I said, it was just a little, a little uh, technical dip, dif- difficulties and, uh, you know, maybe uh, some mental difficulties. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I'm back. I'm back and hopefully better than ever. Um, this week... Or should I say this edition? I plan on talking about the return of Carmelo Anthony to the NBA. Not only did he return to the NBA, and now he's currently playing for the Portland Trailblazers. He actually received Player of the Week honors for the Western Conference approximately a week ago. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about... Uh, the New York Knicks and uh, their trials and tribulations and embarrassments and so forth and what the hell they're going to do now. And uh, primarily just going to be a basketball-centric edition. Probably not going to go too long. I'm going to spit my salty thoughts and get out of here. And then uh, next week will be... Back to normal. Back to business. <laughs> so, <laughs> without further ado, damn, let me see if I remember this. Good night. <laughs>
and goodbye. Bang! Are you... After nearly a year sitting on the sidelines, after getting a raw deal from the Houston Rockets, being lied to, to Mike, by Mike D'Antoni, being lied to by Daryl Morley, being a... A lot of people are probably not going to say this, but being backstabbed by James Harden. After all that, after being the butt of uh, the pundits' jokes for the last year, Carmelo Anthony has returned to the NBA. Carmelo Anthony has returned to the league. He returns to the league with a vengeance. He's currently playing on the Portland Trailblazers. Now, Portland, due to a lot of injuries to their uh, centers and, and forwards, were in need of uh, in their front court help. Dame Lillard and C.J. McCallum have been trying to get Melo out to Portland for the last four or five years. Every time that there was a chance available for him to join the team, he chose another avenue. Albeit OKC when he got traded over there from the Knicks. Then uh, when he got released, or should I say he got traded to Atlanta for that small time. And then Atlanta released him so he could get his money. And then he went to Houston where he thought he was going to be held down by CP3, you know, one of the banana boat buddies. And he lasted 10 games. And then everybody was pretty much saying the last last spot was was the Lakers. Join up with LeBron. And that never came to fruition. And a lot of people wondered why. In an interview that Carmelo Anthony had last week, I believe, with um Rachel Nichols on, on the jump on ESPN, he um, stated that uh, if it came to the point that the only way he could go back, come back into the league was if LeBron was if LeBron had uh, threw out the life jacket and brought him into the Lake of Fold, he would rather retire. And um, being the prideful man that he, I believe he is, maybe that would have been the right move because he didn't want any handouts. Even though when he went on the little, uh, when he went on the interview with Stephen A. Smith over the summer, pretty much letting the world know that he was still interested in playing, he wasn't looking. At, he wasn't looking for no farewell tour, but he just wanted to get back in the league because he thought he still had some gas in the tank. People was like, "Well, you know, Carmelo got to realize that he ain't the star no more. Carmelo got to realize that if he got to come off the bench, that that's what he's gonna have to do." But a star of his magnitude, you know, nobody wants to bring him to that locker room. Carmelo was never a cancer. I'm speaking as a, as a New York Knicks fan for over 30 years. Carmelo was never a cancer. Did things end properly with him in, in New York? No. Not at all. But through no fault of his own. If we fast forward, or should I say we rewind nine, ten years ago, where it was the summer LeBron 
and LeBron went to the Heat, and we ended up getting Stoudemire. Carmelo came in the trade because he wanted to come to New York. And I'll say this to my dying day. Carmelo will always have the utmost respect for me, even if something happens along the way, and I'm like, you know what? As a player, I'm not going to mess with him or blah, 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 blah. Carmelo will always have the utmost respect for me because out of all the quote-unquote premier players, out of all the top-tier players in the league, out of all the players that always come to the Mecca and always talk about, oh, which court, Madison Square Garden, that's like my home away from home. Carmelo was the only player that willingly wanted to stay in New York. Did he want help? Yeah, he wanted help. He was trying to get people. But when the people didn't come, he didn't say, yo, get me out of town. Phil Jackson was actually the reason why he left town. Phil Jackson didn't want him. But at the time, Phil Jackson felt the need of, he's our marquee player. We got this max slot. He didn't want Melo to take the max slot, but how are you going to disrespect Melo and, and tell him, yo, don't, you, you, I don't feel like paying you the max? Especially when Melo wanted to stay. And then, uh, you know, he started on his crusade to pretty much passively, aggressively push Melo out the window. Push Melo out the door. But Melo, like I said, out of all the NBA stars, top tier stars, was the only one that wanted to ride and die for the Knicks. Unlike KD and Kyrie, which is a shit show over there, I don't care who and what and what people believe, KD and Kyrie took the lesser of two evils. All right, I'm going to go to New York with the media scrutiny. But I'm going to go to the to the Brooklyn Nets because at the end of the day, nobody give a fuck about the Nets. So Kyrie can miss about 10 games with his shoulder injury. And maybe his shoulder wouldn't be hurt. If he wasn't jacking up like 30 shots a game, but I digress. Maybe KD can go to Brooklyn, take the year off, you know, through no fault of his own because he's injured. But he could dance on the sideline, but that's neither here nor there. With no media scrutiny. You come to the Knicks? <laughs> Yo. You better put some, you better, better, better put a band aid on that Achilles and, and get out on, on that court. Yo, Kyrie, yo, put it, put your arm in a sling. I mean, he got so, he got such a nice handle, he could probably break down dudes with one arm, with his left hand. But neither here there. But now, you know. But then, um, back to back to the subject I was getting to. When Carmelo came back, first three games, you know, he wasn't that efficient. But he still, he was still getting his legs under him. Who do you know can take a year off the NBA at the top level and then come back and within five games start averaging 20 points? I think the last person that might have did that was Jordan. And that was like 20 years ago. But the whole time it was like, you know, I don't, I don't know how if this is going to be sustainable. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's good now because... Uh, Dane was out with a, with a with a slight injury, and uh, CJ, 
you know, which one, uh, he, he got his points, but, um, when the, when the team is whole, you know, uh, is Carmelo going to be willing to take that, take that back seat to the two stars of the team? Yes. Yes, he is. And he has with no problem. Why is there always a problem with Carmelo? Y'all tell me. Because I want to know. I mean, back in the days, did he shoot a lot? Yeah. But he was nice. Like, if you, if I'm averaging 25 in my sleep, fuck you mean I'm not going to shoot? Yeah, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to score. And you're going to like it. As long as we win games. But nobody says anything about Mr. Um, Mr. Jim Harden, yeah, I know, I, I know his name is James. Fuck that, Mr. Jim Harden. Nobody said nothing about him. Ten years ago, nine years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago, when Carmelo was doing pretty much the ISO Mellow thing, it was a big blight against his blight against his legacy. It was the worst thing known to mankind. But yet you have J Jim Harden on the Rockets. I'm sorry. I can't watch a Rocket game. Because he's a fucking cheat code. Yeah, he can average damn near 40 a game. Because he's, going, he's taking like 25 free throws a game. Or bullshit calls. Dribble, 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 dribble. Four steps to the side. Pump fake, catch an N1, miss the three, go to the line for three shots. You do that five times a game, you got 15 points right there. If he misses all the threes, a lot of times he makes them. So you add a three plus one. You do that five times a game, guess what? That's 25 points right there. Meanwhile, he has his whole team on the perimeter standing around watching him dribble. But yet, he was the MVP last year. And I hope to hell he's not the MVP this year. But he'll be in the top three. He has uh, Russell Westbrook on his team. There was a, there was a game the other night. Harden is driving. Westbrook is in the wing. Wide the fuck open. He actually looked at Westbrook. Looked at his man and said, you know what? I'm going to the hole. But when Melo did it, it was a problem. When Melo did it, he was criticized as being selfish. He was criticized as being a ball stopper. He was criticized as being non-team friendly. You see the narrative? There's a lot of narrative that goes on. In all sports. Actually, in all facets of life. It comes down to whether the person is likable or not. Now, when Melo's on the sideline, a lot of people but say, well, you know, maybe it's time for him to hang it up. And don't get me wrong. Melo, I mean, look, Melo ain't, ain't what he used to be. Ain't what he was five years ago. He's not going to drop. He's not going to average 
25, 25, 5, and 5. He's not. Or in Melo's case, 25 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. He's not going to do it. But uh, can he give you a dependable 15 to 18 off the bench? You damn right. Can he still hit that open three? You damn right. Can he still take you in the, in the post and eat your dinner? Yeah. You damn right. And he's going to hit three to the dome on you. What he needs to stop doing, though, because he needs to realize, yo, dude, you're 35. You don't got. You never had that many ups. Stop trying to yam it on people, cause that's the part. That's the part he needs to ease up on. But um, even though I got into tangents and everything, cause shit, I took a month off and I'm rusty. So imagine him taking a, a year off and coming back and dropping damn near thirty in his fourth game. Salute to Mello. Welcome back. Gone for way too long. Don't listen to all the all, all the which call all the negative negativity. You do, and it's gonna be well. Now to my New York Knicks. I'm gonna bring around the word narrative again. When it comes to the Knicks. This past week. The New York Knicks fired. David Fisdale. He current, I believe he had a. 4-18. 4-19 record. At the time of his firing. And. The whole narrative on the story is. He never had a chance. Because. He was dealing with the Knicks organization. I was watching the jump yesterday. And Rachel Nichols had the nerve for this to come out of her mouth. Well, I'm hearing all the stories about um that David Fisdale firing was uh was justified because of the fact of, you know, the team wasn't playing well and he wasn't coming up with um rotations and he didn't have any plays and so forth but how can you hold him to that standard when everything else around him was crumbling down the fuck you mean how can we hold him accountable to the way his team has produced or hasn't produced on the court he's the fucking coach how can we hold him accountable for not having a set rotation a month and a half into the season? How can we hold him accountable to the fact that this year, albeit you have some real, real, real mix-match mix parts, how can we hold him accountable to his 4-18 and record? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, seriously. Are you kidding me? Dude had one good year in Memphis. Took San Antonio that year to six games. 
when with an undermanned Memphis team. Great. Just on that job alone, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt when he became the New York Knicks coach. But, his second year in Memphis, I think he got shown the door within the first 10 games. Because he didn't get along with Marcus All. Okay. At that time, I was like, you know what? Maybe he got a raw deal. But, he's our coach now. Hopefully, he learned the error of his ways. And uh, history won't repeat itself. So, what happens? He comes here, and he's like, you know, I know the narrative about, about me. I'm going to fly out to Lockia or whatever the fuck, wherever the fuck uh, uh, Chris Porzingis was from, and I'm going to try to have a rapport with the, with the franchise player. And um, that kind of went off, the, went off the rails and got all rocky real quick. And last year, now I can say, last year he shouldn't have been judged on his record because his express purpose was to tank. They had a whole bunch of mixed match parts, but they had mixed match parts of players that nobody else wanted. We'll take you on. If we can get a diamond in the rough, great. If we can't, so be it. Because how all intent and purpose was to lose as many games as possible and try to get the number one pick, which we didn't get. Also, everybody thought, well, we could sign him. And I mean, we could, which go, he could coach the team, and Kyrie and KD are like him, and he'll, they'll come to New York. Where they came to New York, they just went to the other team. So that's two strikes against him right then and there. Then this year, and I think I said it in a, in a prior podcast, you got the rookie R.J. Barrett. The first. I want to say the first 10 games. 10 games in, you know, as a rookie, he's going up and down. He had some good games. He had some bad games. But he was running He was running R.J. Barrett into the ground, playing him 42 minutes a night. Never mind about the fact that a lot of rookies their first year, especially if they played college ball, they run into what is termed the, the rookie wall. College basketball only plays maybe 35, 40 games a year. That's half an NBA season. So usually around the All-Star break, a lot of the rookies, especially they're coming from college, they start slowing down in January and February, and then hopefully and luckily they'll get their second win Toward the end, you know, the last quarter of the season. But meanwhile, this dude is playing him 42, 42 minutes a night. Then when he asked about it, well, he's young. He's 19. He can handle the minutes. But that's your future right there. It's not about him being able to handle the minutes. That's your future right there. Why are you going to make him more susceptible to injury? I don't believe in all that load management crap. I don't subscribe to that. Guess what else you don't subscribe to? You don't subscribe to coaching the New York Knicks no more either. 
So I guess you got your own little load management, right? Now, through no fault of his own, two of the three point guards that he came into the season with weren't available to him. Efred, Peyton, he was injured. Then you had Dennis Smith Jr. He had some family, which he had some family problems. He had a death in the family. Also, he he was injured. So the only healthy point guard that you had was Frank Nilakina, who for the last year and a half, he refused to give constant, steady minutes. Anytime he actually gave him steady minutes, a lot of times he stepped up. And then for the next five games, glued his ass to the bench. So instead of uh, trying to nurture Frank Nilakina, because uh, he is still a young part of this team, you know what Mr. David Fisdale has? What he does? He has Julius Randle one-hand banded ass bringing the, bringing the ball up. Really? He can't even catch a pass in the post without putting it on the, on, on, on the ground first. And if it wasn't Julius Randle, then you had Marcus Morris bringing the ball up, running the point. Excuse me? Marcus Morris is a small forward slash power forward. Stretch power forward on top of that. Nobody ever accused him of being the next uh, Gary Payton, the next AI with the handle. Some games, he started Mitchell Robinson. Other games, he started Taj Gibson. There was a good three-game three, three game stretch that he was riding and dying with Rain Ellison. Meanwhile, you have uh, Alonzo Trier on the bench collecting dust. Damian Dotson on the bench collecting dust. Frank Nilakina on the bench. Can't get up because he glued. And your record at the time of his firing was 4, 4 19, 4 and 18. And I go back to narrative. Well, how could you uh, expect him to do anything with the part? I don't want to hear that shit. Do you know how many coaches in the league have, have less than the Knicks, talent-wise, and have way better records? Because they maximize the talent that they have. He did that in, in Memphis. That Memphis team was known as defensive stalwarts. The grit and grind. That's what he took over. That's what he ran. So, you mean to tell me with this team, you couldn't have came up with a system to maximize the best that the players that you have available have to offer? And then I'm supposed to cry a tear because he got fired? I'm reading articles. Well, you know, you know this over the last two, or, you know, the last two weeks of his tenure, you know, he, uh, he looked out of it. His uh normally uh his normal sculptured beard was starting to become unkempt. His uh 
gray in his in his chin hair started to become more pronounced. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Are we supposed to cry cry a river because David Fisdale got fired because his team for the last two years have run a grand total of twenty one games? I mean, like, why? Because he's one of the chosen few, one of the chosen ones of the league. He's one of the LeBron disciples. He's one of the Pat Riley disciples. So everybody's supposed to give him a fucking pass. Now, quiet is kept. And miraculously enough, he doesn't, or should I say, the Knicks don't even have the worst record in the league. Do you know who has the worst record in the league currently? Golden State Warriors. The Knicks, as of Friday, the 13th, Friday December 13th, 2019, Record was six and twenty. The Golden State Warriors record as of that same date five and twenty-three. Now if anybody deserves to get a pass, it's Steve Kerr. Only because of the injury aspect. Because I'm not gonna lie. Preseason, first couple games that he had, he actually had Steph Curry in. They were horrible. You could tell, uh, you could just kind of write it off to the five straight finals hangover. Or you could just term it as in Steve Curry's like, look, I done got the team to five straight finals. I got three chips. I could afford an off year. I mean, because he came into the league kind of like, uh, I mean, he came into the se- season like pretty much p- kind of preparing people like, I ain't doing my best job this year. We ain't that good. I'm letting y'all know now. But like I said, I'm not even going to get into Golden State because that's just another old big thing. But the reason I brought Golden State up is because, like I said, that is my second team. And, um, as luck would have it, of course, once I officially claimed them as one of my teams or being a fan of the Golden State Warriors, they would pick that time to have the worst record in the NBA. So currently, my two favorite teams in the league are also the two worst teams in the league. Anybody who knows me for all these years and knows my allegiances allegiances to my teams, that's so apropos. I mean, I got my Jets, 5-8. and eight. I got my Knicks. I got my Mets. I'm not even going to get into the Mets this, 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 this week. But they're coming. You know, hot stove is heating up. But, um, yeah, all my, all my teams stink. So even my newly team. Coming up five straight finals, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna get the fucking lottery pick. How much you want to bet? How much you want to bet they're gonna get the the top pick? And then we're gonna be back better than ever next year. 
But, um, yeah. Narrative. David Fisdale deserved to get fired. The Knicks, unfortunately, are still a dumpster fire. Who are they going to get to replace him? You're hearing the whole, you know, the usual suspects, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Tom Thibodeau. But at this point in time, it doesn't matter who the coach is. If they don't get rid of Steve Mills, it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again. I'll start believing in this team when they get rid of Steve Mills. As long as Steve Mills is in in the place of where he's at, which is the president of basketball operations, it won't it won't ever change. I'm hearing that they're talking about bringing the guy from Toronto, uh, Masia Jerry, down to uh, try to take over the take over the take over the organization. I hope so. I mean, at this point in time, nothing else nothing else hurt. So why not? You know, ain't my money. Throw a whole boatload of money with him. He he don't got nothing else to prove in this Toronto. He brought Toronto a chip. So he might, he might look at New York but like, you know what? I could be the king if I turn the New York Knicks around. <laughs> the king. Sit on the throne. It might appeal to him. Might not. Who knows? But um, yeah, this is this this year. I, I I've truly, I truly don't have any urge to watch basketball this year. And we're about a week and a half from Christmas. Normally, I don't really get into basketball until about Christmas time, and then I don't get into it hardcore until about the All Star break, because um, I space my space my. My sport's out. Football. Once football season starts, football is a priority. Everything else is on the back burner. And then once football ends, don't. the next sport that's in play is basketball. I go hard with basketball. Baseball comes, you know, spring training, first couple months of the season. I'm still paying attention. But I don't really get into baseball until about... May, June, right around the time that usually my next season has ended. <clears throat> and then I get hardcore into basketball, I mean baseball, let's say in July, August, until football comes back around again. 360 60 degrees rotation. <laughs> but this year, I mean, I used to love the fact of you got... NBA on Tuesday nights, NBA on Wednesday nights, NBA on Thursday nights, NBA on Friday nights, and then sometimes on Saturday. Now I come home after work, especially um, watch. I haven't even watched inside the NBA in like three weeks. I come home, I don't want to watch the game. A lot of times I used to be like, all right, let me see what with Chuck and uh and Ernie and. Shaq and Kenny going to talk about because they be having me cracking up. Now I come home, I turn it on, I'm like, I'm not watching this shit. But the world is great because LeBron 
is bet on the best team in the fucking league. So everything is right with the world. And wrong am I. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Once again, that brings us to another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donahue podcast. I appreciate everybody who is checking out this episode. I appreciate everybody who's actually checked in to make sure that Donnie was alright. Donnie? Donnie, are you okay? Are you okay, Donnie? Donnie, are you okay? Danny, are you okay? Are you okay, Danny? Danny, are you okay? Danny, are you okay? Are you okay, Danny? <laughs> yeah, I'm bugging out right now. But, yeah. I'm going to leave it on that note. Hopefully, I'll speak to y'all in another week or so. Um, This podcast will be coming out Saturday, December 14, 2019. And hopefully, I will see you again. This coming Wednesday, back on our regularly scheduled programming. Um, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you choose to listen to me on. That way, if I choose to take a break or unforeseen circumstances cause me to take a break, and then when I do come back, you'll be the first one to know. Press like, press subscribe. And always, love yourself before you love others. (laughs) Goodbye! Ooh, then it really was on became the best in the world at what 